for star, we use the rotary magic guide bushing. Yes, explain the famous magic guide bushing. It's actually the bushing will open and close and stay tight on the material. So it does a couple of things for you. First, there's some nuances to Swiss where you actually have to set the bushing around the bar stock to just the right tension so that it doesn't move too much, which allows you to lose tolerance, but yet you don't want it so tight that it gets stuck. Well, by having a rotary magic guide bushing, you actually set air pressure to make sure that it maintains the same tension on the material. This is Swarfcast, the show that helps professionals in precision machining excel in their careers. I'm your host, Noah Graff. On today's show, I'm talking with Dave Polito, one of the smartest people I know in the CNC Swiss machining world. Dave has been servicing and selling star Swiss machines for over 30 years and owns Quality Machine Tool Services, the star distributor for Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. In our conversation, Dave gave me a crash course in the nuances of Swiss machining, such as when to use ground stock or unground, gang style versus turret machines, and of course, we had to talk about the famous magic guide bushing. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am very honored to be with Dave Polito, owner of Quality Machine Tool Services in Schaumburg, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Dave. Today we are talking Swiss machining in particular star um one of the main you know kings of the industry first i want you to just tell me about machine tool services what you guys do and then i'm gonna get a little bit about you okay well uh quality machine tool services i started the company about 20 years ago recently had been before that had been working at star and went off and started a service company that we exclusively worked on Swiss equipment. And at the time when I was at Star, I used to travel for a living and I had stopped traveling at that point. So did Star used to just be, they'd sell direct nationally and now they're doing distribution or? Correct. Years ago, there were, Star would have exclusive house accounts and then there would be distributors in each state, but it was a little bit of both. 
But what they found is they ended up just going with strictly distributors in all of the different states. Cool. So, yeah. So then uh, we started out a service company for probably the first six, seven years. And like I said, we exclusively just worked on Swiss equipment. And then in 2009, we took over the sales side of it. And uh, we started out with just Illinois. And then quickly we received the southern half of Wisconsin as well. Uh, We were having very good success. So for most of your career, you were doing technical stuff and sales or were you mostly? Yeah, for me, I was strictly, I was a application engineer, service engineer, then service applications manager, used to travel around the country installing machines, doing the training, also giving classes at all the different dealerships where we would bring in people and uh, just give a beginning, intermediate, and advanced classes. Okay. And that's definitely how I met a lot of people was doing those classes throughout and the now you And now you sell, or rather you manage other people who sell? Correct. Yeah, we have salesmen at the company as well as a full service staff. So what's that like changing from doing applications and service to doing selling yeah it's a it was for swiss machining it's a very smooth transition because uh swiss has always been applications driven it was an area that not a lot of people knew anything about so they would hear about swiss machining hear of other people's success with it and then they would call us so it's a very technical sale Right. That, you know, you really have to know some of the nuances to give the comfort, uh, the customer that comfort level. Right. So uh, we just kind of found that with the knowing Swiss like we do and every person in our company, all they do is exclusively work on stars. So just I think customers have a very good comfort level knowing that when we're there, things are taken care of. And if they're not, they know we will. Do you feel like the machines sort of sell themselves. I mean, for instance, uh, this week I bought a car, I bought a Hyundai. I had tried out a Toyota. I had tried out um, a Honda and I had pretty much decided I was going to get a, or I was Hyundai I did last because I figured that was the one I was most interested in. So I tried it out and I have to compliment my dealer. He was the most he was my favorite dealer I've had, at least for the first part of the sale. The The second part of the sale was a mess, but that's beside the point. Um, he didn't really do any hard selling. He just kind of let us take the car and then chilled out and had questions. If we had questions, he answered them. Is it kind of like that where the people, they've researched the different machine tools and or they know they want star and you just kind of wait for them to answer the questions and you guys know the machine so well that you don't have to like push? I wish. <laughs> the, uh, no, I, th- I kind of look at it this way. The, the nice thing with a star is it's a tier one brand. So it's a good quality product that has a really good reputation. But from a buy- I always feel from a buyer's perspective, you know, you're going to be looking at more than just the machine. Yes, 100% you want a machine that's going to be reliable, stable, holding size, uh, have a have spare parts, and just have good support. So how do you, how do you like, somebody comes and they're like, well, I just visited Cinecin, um and Tsugami, 
and I know they make good parts as well. Uh, like, and they both seem to have decent service in my area. What do you do? I mean, my opinion, whenever anybody says to me, which Swiss machine should I get? I say, look, there's a lot of good ones. Go with the one that has the best service nearby. Yeah, that and that's kind of where we stand in, you know, or stand up. But the also, though, to the point, if somebody actually starts comparing one to the other, we know enough to where we can actually break down the machine and talk about the dovetail constructions and uh, things that will actually make a difference down the road. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll say that for the first year or two, it really doesn't matter which machine you know you buy. Right. They all kind of have a honeymoon and you'll be fine. But as you look around the industry, you'll find that our customers have machines for 20 plus years and they're still running. Starts, Star is really good about supplying parts for older style, you know, the older models. Yeah. And, and that gives the customers a comfort level. Yeah. Well, I can just tell, you know, as a reseller, there's certain machines that you can sell a good one from the last 12 years. And there's, if it's Star or Citizen, those are the ones that people are going to buy if it's 99. You know, we sold a couple machines, a couple star machines from like 98, 99 this year. And we made a little change on it, partly because Dave uh, was there when we had questions. And one thing I've noticed about the star website that I really like is that you guys list every single model that star has ever had and give specs on it. Nobody else does that. Well, I think what part of that reason is star has always taken a lot of pride in being generational meaning that once you join the star family you know 20 years ago with a certain model the models that precede that you know will always use the exact same tooling so you know you can all those expensive tool holders you can actually carry over from one model to the next really because somebody called me one time and they said like they're like, I want an SV20. And they're like, I don't want an SV20J because it's different tooling. Is that not true? Actually, what that's that was kind of generic. I know what you're talking about. The There's basically Star has two turrets, an eight station turret and a 10 station turret. Right. And in the 32 millimeter models, there was an S. Uh, v, uh, an SV32J that had the eight station turret. And then this, the regular SV32 had the 10 station turret. Okay. So really it's what you're looking for is you want to stick with the same turret size, then it would use the same. But tooling. it does, so it does take different live tooling on the turret. No, it's the same. It's no. the same. Yeah, it would be, yeah, any, the, an SV12, an SV20, the SV32J, they all had the eight station turret and would use the same tooling. All right. This is good because the next time somebody says that to me, I know what to say. Yeah. Um, I think a good portion of the people listening to this know about Swiss machining and I don't want to dumb it down. However, I want like the four-year-old explanation of Swiss machining just to you know, for the people where maybe they're a milling shop and have wondered about Swiss machining, give give us the scoop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when do you actually need a Swiss machine? When do you need I a Swiss machine? And yeah. why is it different from another lathe, from Correct. a CNC lathe? Yeah. Swiss machines are long, narrow parts. We always did a lot of motor shafts. We do a lot of uh, medical parts, bone screws, anything with the 
a, a longer length to diameter ratio. How long of a Swiss part can you make? Like forever, right? I've literally, I've made 12 foot long parts before that uh, they, we just keep feeding through the machine. And the reason that we can, or what the Swiss concept is, is we have that center support or a guide bushing. So way back in, you know, 1897 or whatever, when here in the United States, Brown and Sharp was making screw machines back in Switzerland, they designed basically something for their trade, which was the watch parts. So they came up with this concept of having the tool sit right next to the guide bushing or next to a support so that they were able to not get any deflection and make these really small parts quickly and efficiently. So um, that's what's, you know, that's what Swiss is. You can make Swiss parts on larger machines, and some people do. Why do they call it a sliding headstock? What's, what's that about? Yeah, because the headstock itself is what feeds the material through that support bushing. Uh, as a rule of thumb, on most Swiss machines, the length of the headstock, the amount of stroke that you have, okay. is about 10 times the diameter. So a three-quarter inch machine has roughly an eight-inch stroke. <clears throat> so then um, once you actually, you'll make the part turn. And uh, the big thing now with the Swiss machines compared, you know, originally they made small screws, but now with all the power-driven tools and everything, Swiss is really about making complete parts. Uh, with the largest diameter in Swiss being inch and a half, the basically any part that comes across our desks, we have a machine that's able to make that part complete. It seems like if people already have Swiss machines, rather than shell out to get an index machine or like a multi-Swiss Tornos or something, it's just easier for them to buy a bunch of Swiss machines. Even if maybe it's not quite as efficient, it sort of streamlines it. People are familiar with it. It can make a decent amount of parts, not a crazy amount of parts. Do you think that's that's kind of a trend? Well, it is. I mean, that kind of went back to the car plants. Uh, the option was to buy a multi-spindle or we would buy six single spindles. Mm -hmm. So the advantage always being, well, if the multi-spindle broke down, you yes. were out of production. Obviously, if one single spindle goes down, you still got five more making parts. And then also if as over time it seemed like the higher quantities – kind of disappeared and we started doing smaller runs. So that gave the customer a little more versatility than with the multi-spindles. Okay. So what would be the right volume for a run on um, one Swiss machine? I mean, nor yeah, normally you definitely like thousands. You know, you want it to get 10, up thousand. into the thousands. Yeah. But the the other nice thing is especially with more the more complicated parts, the Swiss machines will do everything in one chucking. Yes. So you don't have to worry about the orientation or you have to make extra parts to put in each setup, you know, in each fixture as you're doing secondary operations. Right. So sometimes it's not really about the quantities. It's more about being able to accurately make the one part. Yeah, no and second also, ops. And right, no second ops. And then you're also making it out of a bar. So it'll just go right into making the next part. And right. Run unattended, which is that's what Swiss is all about. Okay. So let's talk about running unattended. Um, let's talk about ground stock first. 
Will you say, what's the ratio of ground stock to non-ground stock with like, I think, I, I think a lot of people just think Swiss and they think ground stock, but that's not always the case then. No, you don't have to run ground stock in a Swiss machine. What the rule of thumb was always, whatever the tightest tolerance that you need to hold, the bar needs to be ground within that, you know, needs to be held within that tolerance. So uh, sometimes when it comes to brasses and, you know, some aluminums, you're not all your people aren't going to get those ground. So they'll get away with it. Uh, we do improve the tolerance a little bit when we actually turn it. But uh, you're not going to put junk stock through a Swiss machine and spit has, out gold. Has the technology gotten better, though, where you could? Yeah, there are some new items that are available uh for star we use the rotary magic guide bushing yes explain the famous magic guide bushing it's actually the bushing will open and close and stay tight on the material so it does a couple of things for you first there's some nuances to swiss where you actually have to set the bushing around the bar stock to just the right tension so that it doesn't move too much which allows you to lose tolerance but yet you don't want it so tight that it gets stuck well by having a rotary magic guide bushing you actually set air pressure to make sure that it maintains the same tension on the material so that makes it more user friendly then also if for some reason your bar stock does get a little bit larger, the machine will actually push the bushing out a little while it's still pulling back and hold, maintaining the pressure on it, but allow the bigger material to go through and uh, go ahead and make the part. Is this a star thing or a star invention? Because this is what I've heard yeah. when people say stars, they've talked about the magic guide bushing. Right. What happened year, and I'm going back like over 30 years ago, we used to have a, what was called the Hycoflex system, which was a double cone Meonite collet that we would put in the machines. And that you could run junk stock through. The Meonite was soft, so it would actually wear the collet out. But the advantage was that you could actually run the unground material. The disadvantage of that is there's no precision to it. So the material would actually run out of round. So you had to turn everything on the bar to keep everything concentric. So as long as you did that, it worked out great. There were some other advantages, the double taper, where instead of a traditional collet system where it just grips towards the front of the collet, this actually gave you more gripping pressure because you had it on both the back and the front. So for doing broaching operations, you know, there were a few things that uh, really caused that to shine. So, but it's aware. So the, what was nice about the rotary magic guide bushing is you don't have to buy a special guide bushings. You, it uses the same collets and bushings that you would buy when you bought the machine, you know, when you originally bought the machine and you, it switches over in less than a minute or two to but convert when from somebody one to the other. Okay, but it's always a magic guide bushing. That's the guide. You don't have to like switch in a magic guide bushing. No. Okay, it's always yeah, most magic. people once they purchase. <laughs> yeah, once they purchase it, then they they use it continuously. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's an option. Mm -hmm. So ground stock. If you're running lights out, ground stock is is what you need. It helps. You know the thing about lights out production 
is you just want to make sure everything goes smooth. You want everything in your favor. So if you have ground material, you have a good solid process, then the machine's going to do its job and it's just going to run unattended all night and you're going to walk into a bucket full of parts. But uh, if you don't have a solid process going into uh, the unattended running, then you don't know what you're going to walk into in the morning. <laughs> it could be some interesting cool. scenarios. Hey, listeners, I just wanted to remind you that you can see videos of our episodes on YouTube and other social media. So if you want to see a cool tool or part that was described in the interview, or you just want to gaze upon my beautiful face, you can go to the Today's Machining World YouTube channel. You can also link directly to the videos from the episode show notes. And now, back to the show. Non-guide bushing, um, or chucking chucker mode, style. which that's very confusing that they call it chucker style because I always just think chucker like that's a blanked part. But anyways, that is becoming more in vogue uh, more and more. Correct. Yeah, The uh, when you have a Swiss machine you end up with a longer remnant because the remnant needs to be uh, at least the length of the part. The remnant is the amount that's left over after you're done with the bar? Correct. When it, com uh, when it comes to the bar stock that goes into the machine, I would say nine over 90% of the bar feeds that go on the machine are magazine-style bar feeds where you just load up a rack full of material and it will produce every, you know, all the parts out of the bar. And then when it gets to the end of the bar, it retracts a remnant back, drops it into a bin, loads a new bar in, brings it up. Okay. We face it off and keep going. But in order to retract that remnant, we need to have a length that's at least as long as the part because you need to ha be able to make another part. And then also there's about six inches of collets in our headstock area and our guide bushing that need to be there as well. So you're going to get a remnant that's anywhere from nine inches to it could be even longer, 12, 13 inches or right, so. However long the part right. is. So when you switch over to chucker style, if you're not utilizing the Swiss concept where you don't necessarily have to have the tool right next to the guide bushing because it's a larger diameter material that's not going to have deflection, then you can put it in chucker mode. And when you do that, the material, now you don't have to worry about the precision bushing, which is like a drill bushing, which doesn't give. You're going to be working with a collet that has a little more give, and you're not going to have that support bushing. Right. So, so you're you going to end up with a shorter, well. yeah. So you're going to end up with a shorter remnant. How long can you make a part? How how long can a part be if you're running non guide bushing? The rule of thumb is five to one. You know, just you look for a uh, length being five times the diameter ratio. All right. So if it's 32 millimeter, you could do it 150 Correct. millimeters. Yeah, you could go for five good inches. Still. Yeah, it's, that's just a rule of thumb. You, I mean, Because like, I on, think on a 32 millimeter index, you can go and go like 100 yeah. millimeters. So that's still better. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's three to five. It's a rule of thumb. All right. This is great, you know, nitty gritty. Let's talk a little bit about the latest technology from star um and i want to differentiate a little bit between the two machines you got the turret machine and the not turret machine but what's the most popular machine that you sell and and what's you know why is it awesome yeah i would say 
you know, when we talk about the stars, our most popular are gang style machines. And the advantage of the gang style machines are um, quick tool changes, faster cycle times. When we actually pick a part off, it picks a part off in three or four seconds. So if you're running a smaller parts, that's going to be a big advantage if sure. you're compared to trying to run it on a conventional screw machine. So uh, now the other thing with the stars, like I talked about earlier, would be the amount of power driven tools. Stars constantly trying to add more power driven tools into What's a, a power driven tool? Uh, basically a live the, tool. Yeah, a live tool so that we can do our cross milling, drilling, thread whirling the parts broaching like we talked about earlier, thread milling the parts, just making sure that those parts are dropped off complete and they're ready to ship. So being able to do that on a gang style machine is a big focus because it has a smaller footprint. So you haven't been able to do all that on a gang slide machine for that long. You used to need a turret for that stuff. It would be secondary operations. Yeah. So now they're making the tool holders interchangeable where we can slide one out and slide in these specialty holders. If you want to do a two inch slotting saw, something like that. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, the unattended running. That's the main focus. And that's why you buy a Swiss as everybody's fighting the same problems these days about trying to uh, find people. Uh, that's why a lot of people like to look at Swiss. Normally, one person is running anywhere from three to five machines. And again, if you have a solid process, the machines are running unattended. So um, now when do you actually start stepping into the turret machines? That's when you get into some more complex parts, but also a trend that we see now is where companies are saying, hey, I don't have the setup guys that I used to have to run around and change over these parts. So we found that by we can justify the cost of the, the higher or the more expensive turret machines by actually tooling them up to run families of parts, okay. having quicker changeovers, easier changeovers. Sometimes instead of changing bar stock sizes, they decide we're just going to run it all out of the same size material. It might cost a little bit additional, but we're going to make that you can You back. can do families of parts sometimes on gang slide too, right? Yeah, you can. Just it less... would be on any Swiss machine. Yeah. But the thing is, on a you know, where on a gang style machine, you might have six or seven turning tools. On the turret machines, you know, you can put up to 50 tools in them. Even with the smaller turret. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but you told me before, 5% of the machines you sell are turret machines. That was what you estimated off the top of your head. Yeah. I mean that, but I think that's very area specific. That's interesting. So you think like maybe in Indiana where there's a lot of medical, there might be more turret machines or stuff like that. Yeah. When you get into the, you know, the cost of the turret machines, when you're talking about a half million dollars or so, you know, that the justification for a job shop to take a look in an expense like that, they're going to want to make sure they have you know, customer commitment to move forward on that. And uh, so I think they tend to put them more on gang slides because uh, you could buy, you know, multiple gang slides for that same cost and have. Yeah. Give us an idea of the cost because that's always some, you know, some builders, particularly used people, they're so cagey about what stuff costs. But yeah. you, you're, you've been very open with me about it. So, well, the I mean, Swiss just Swiss machines in general, usually entry level machines, 
end up somewhere around, you know, a hundred, say a hundred, a hundred plus depending like on one the of accessories the, that go is that with like them. the five axis yeah, like a, SB. A five axis uh, any swiss machine again is about making complete parts so all, all the machines in the star line have sub spindles that will come in and pick off the part and allow us to do back working and we're going to have a c axis on both the spindles we're going to have power driven tools in the front side and on the back side but uh like we had said uh, the simpler five axis machines are somewhere around a hundred and then it gets into the a hundred before the bar loader no no that's just for the machine really just a hundred mm-hmm. yeah that'd be like an sb20 or something yeah yeah it depends and then uh you know but to keep it in rough numbers you're looking at uh say a hundred and something for the entry levels then they're around 200 200 plus for your medium size machine like a sr20 or something yeah like sr deals and then uh turret machines vary anywhere from three four hundred you know to five hundred depending on incredible how many power tools and because now you have to build a turret so you're putting 20 additional holders into the machine um what's one of the biggest misconceptions about swiss machines or stars uh i would say a misconception would be that you have to use ground stock Ah. i think that uh there are enough ways around it and uh there are definitely proven processes that uh, allow people to go ahead run on ground material and still make good parts and get them out the door without getting them ground also it used to be they were not finicky but Uh, Like I talked about, when you put your material through and you actually set your guide bushing, you would have to make sure that it's set just a certain way. And now with the invention of the Rotary Magic guide bushings, it just makes it a little more user-friendly. Star uh, currently uses all FANUC controllers. That's nice. Uh, Yeah, people really appreciate that because when it comes to cross-training, people around the shop. Right, so if you say you run... Um, I don't even know my mills very well, but say you run a mill that has a fanic control, it's it's going to be a pretty smooth transition. It is, yeah. You're you know it's basically all point to point. You know it doesn't matter if it's a mill or if it's a lathe, uh, but a G one is going to be a G one across any fanic controller and a G zero and. The M codes obviously will vary a little from machine tool to machine tool, standing for miscellaneous code. But if you stick with the star, stars always. Or if you were running a different kind of Swiss machine and it also had the FANUC, then you're you've got a nice head start. Tell me what trends you're seeing now as far as sectors. Uh, you got your medical, you got your firearms. It's been really strong, or you know, I don't, different people yes. call it different things. What are you seeing your machines used for, um, particularly in, right now? Yeah, in our area, when we, you talk about Illinois, you know, Illinois, Wisconsin, we definitely do a lot of hydraulics. We do, you know, medical. I would say right now the strongest is still hydraulic medical. What What are you feeling in this current economy? I mean, we just... We just saw an auction literally two hours ago with a star SR32 from 2017 and with buyer's premium went for maybe 160 grand. That brand new, that'd be about 250 grand. I mean, that says, I think 
positive things about the market. Are you feeling it from your customers? Maybe some people are canceling orders. You guys are, I mean. Yeah, we're not really seeing much of that. And you have a huge back order, right? Yeah, we, yeah, we definitely do. And that's part of the reason some of this used equipment is going for the premium that it yeah. is. But um, no, as far as talking with the customers and looking ahead, I think everybody is naturally weary. You know, nobody in their right mind would not be a little weary, but in talking with their customers, there definitely seems to be some confidence. Uh, there seems to be jobs that used to be overseas that are coming back. Yeah. Larger companies are definitely multi-sourcing between countries now, making sure that there's a little bit everywhere and also the shipping costs that used to give that's some getting other countries better. an advantage. Yeah, now that's up quite a bit and now it kind of pushed more opportunity for us. Although that causes difficulty for you guys bringing machines in a little bit, maybe. So what, if you want a really popular model like an SR20, how long are you going to have to wait? They, I would say probably six to eight weeks currently. Six to eight weeks? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's changing. The uh, I thought it was like like oh, six months. Was, oh yeah, no, it believe me, at one point it was. But now things are starting to catch up and our deliveries. So it's not are the economy, starting. it's just that you guys are starting to catch up. Yeah, the fa- I mean the factories the factories, just like everybody else, they did have some issues getting parts and they seem to have worked through a lot of that stuff. Where are stars made for the most part? In Japan. Really? All of them are still made in Japan? No, not all of them. They have they have factories throughout the world. You know, they're obviously China being as large as it is. It has its own factory. The lower end ones are made in China. It For the most part, it is. But really, I think it has more to do with most of the machines in China. They stay within China. I mean, the China will... From what I understand, they'll buy in one month what the United States might use in the majority of a year. Really? So you're selling tons of machines to China? Oh, yeah. China's huge. It's the number one manufacturer. That is interesting. That's the number one customer. And if it's well, I don't for know you, if it's the number one customer, but I mean, there's a lot of manufacturing done in China. There's, I think you can't really dispute that. Right. But they're buying nice Swiss machines now. And I'm sure that helps them with their personnel issues, which they have. Um, we've we've covered a lot of great stuff. Is there something else that you'd like to say to the world or, or something we haven't covered that you think would be really important? Uh, I guess, I don't know if I were to say anything, it, it would probably just be talking about how much I personally have worked with Swiss machines for over 35 years and just manufacturing Swiss machining. It's just, uh, it's always been good to me. And I think anybody that just picks something, focuses on it, specializes in something, and I think you're going to have some type of success. And fortunately for me, I started with working with Star when I was, you know, in my 20s. Wow. And being a, you know, a tier one brand. It wasn't even, a, they weren't even making Swiss machines back then, were they? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, just they had CNCs or NCs even. But uh, being with a, com- you know, a good relationship with Star and working with Star, it's really made it a good experience for me. Yeah, well, that's incredible. Not everybody has the chance to work for one company for 30 years. Yeah. That must say something about them. No, I'm optimistic too about what's coming up. I mean, I think that uh, our industry is always changing. 
So it's fun to stay current. Oh, you know, you can never get comfortable. You're always learning new things and, uh, that, that keeps the job interesting. Yeah. Um, I know I'm skipping around a little bit. Uh, I want to just go back to what do you do if somebody is on the fence between citizen and star and Sugami and Tornos, um, and they, you know, they feel like they can get good support from all of them. You know, you've admitted that the technology is somewhat comparable. What do you tell them? What's your pitch? Well, I think that I think it's really about the service and support and what's going to happen after the sale. And that's an area that we shine and we have a very good reputation in the area for that. So right. most of the companies in doing their due diligence, they're going to talk to other owners, friends yes. of theirs. And just find out if they've had good success or if their salesperson left them hanging dry. And yes. when people talk about our company, they find that we do have parts. We do have service. The techs that come in, they do know what they're talking about. And uh, we can keep their machines running. And as long as we keep their machines running, we all make out well. Uh, and I just have to say something about you, which I think, I mean, if it represents Star. You're like one of the most giving people I know as far as your time and your, you know, information. I feel bad sometimes calling you. I'm just like a used dealer, you know, just looking for help. I mean, I, I think that the philosophy is if you give, then you will receive. Or well, I think it's more like I've been trying to train myself out of a job for a lot of years. And it doesn't matter who I tell and you know, who I teach or talk about, I don't know, there's still a need for me. So no, as much as I'd like everybody to just go be successful, you know, go do what you do, be successful. And I know, I but you're I busy. Wanna... You're a, an owner of a company and I'm just coming like, I mean, I try to be brief, but you know, you so go out of your way for me and it's just incredible. I'm just so grateful. And I mean, you don't have to do it. Um, so I, I just have to say thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. No, I don't. Uh, I enjoy what I do. I take a lot of pride in uh, spending 35 years doing one thing. And I do consider myself pretty knowledgeable in that area. And you love talking so, about stars. Yeah, so when I ask you about, about stars. It, yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. I enjoy it. Right, right. Um, is there anything you learned recently, maybe last week or something, you know, it could be anything. It could be just something you read that struck you. It could be a TV show you saw or whatever. What was most interesting? Uh, in general, I would say I like to be very observant of things. And when I look around, I tend to focus on people that are, you know, successful and say, okay, well, why did they become successful? Uh, you know, what are those you know, what makes one person better than the next? You know, part of the neat part about my job is I get to go into a lot of companies and see how a lot of companies are run and, and some are successful and some aren't always successful. And you're able to kind of identify, you know, what works for some people and what really doesn't work in others. So, so I think that that's really been part of the job that I really have enjoyed. And I'm and assuming that's really helped you in your management. It does. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, we don't have to walk into the wall all the time to learn something. Yeah. Well, fantastic. I'm going to finish on that. I loved this interview. I love talking to you and I, I look forward to the next time picking your brain for help. 
And I'm just so grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And continued success on uh, all your endeavors here. And this was very interesting. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com.